I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on VSEN, the sports betting network. With the big game right around the corner, it's time to download BetMGM Sports. It is Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-522. 4700. This is the start of hour number two for Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Amal Shah, coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. Want to clean some things up as we start hour number two in college basketball. We have some games that have gone to halftime. Bedlam over in Stillwater, Oklahoma State, leading Oklahoma 29-28. The Cowboys, two-and-a-half-point favorites on the live line right now. Total 127-and-a-half. Amal, anything jumping out to you in that live market? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, do you have a second half number on the total here? My guess is probably it's about 68 or so. Yeah. Um, or might be, Let me see it might be 70. But, uh, you know, both teams got off to a fast start. It was 14 13 at the under 12 timeout. Right now, sitting at 29 28. Uh, kind of got bogged down a little bit offensively. And Oklahoma's 5 for 11 from the three-point arc. So this Oklahoma State team defense uh, would be a bit of a challenge here for them. 69 and a half. I'm seeing the consensus total in the second half of that game. Yeah, the only concern is if the game's tight, either you find overtime or we could wind up with uh, just kind of a parade to the free-throw line. But I, I just don't believe the Sooners will continue to shoot 46% from beyond the arc. And Oklahoma State, not a particularly great free-throw uh, shooting team. They're also 43% from beyond. So I think this game could be a bit of a struggle here in the second half. Another big game that we're going and looking at right now between the Wildcats and the Huskies. Villanova went off as four-and-a-half-point favorites hosting UConn. They lead it 40-29 to at halftime. They're ten-and-a-half-point favorites right now on the live line. Total 137-and-a-half. I'm sweating out over 129-and-a-half. First half looking good so far, but a lot of basketball left to be played. Anything jump out to you when you look at this line as we sit right here with the Wildcats leading by 11? Yeah, what's the second-half total? Because I'll tell you what's really surprising. In this game, you got seven turnovers by Connecticut, which is a little bit above average for them, and then uh, you know, average about 12 turnovers a game. You look at Villanova, just the three turnovers, but both sides with just four combined offensive rebounds. But what I'm seeing that kind of when I look at it has been a march to the free throw line, 18 for 19 combined both these teams, but only love to see it. <laughs> well, 
you know, they're going to need that because right now only 25 shot attempts. Villanova goes 14 for 25. I don't know if they'll shoot at that clip at 56% in the second half against this Connecticut defense. And then, of course, uh, UConn struggling a bit against this Villanova defense, 8 for 22. You expected a much better defensive effort out of you, uh, excuse me, Villanova after the performance in Milwaukee against uh, Marquette the other day. 68 is the total in the second half in this game between UConn and Villanova. Let's get over to Bloomington. The Hoosiers hosting Illinois. Indiana leads it 36-34 at halftime. Looks like it's a great game. We have it on in our screen. It's going pretty back and forth. The second half line in this game here, Amal, now Illinois went off as a a one-and-a-half point favorite at close. Second half line, Illinois by three, total 73-and-a-half. Yeah, uh, no surprise that Illinois here is is the favorite. You mentioned they close as a favorite, so uh, this one they basically have to win the game, and you'd still at least get a push. They win by two. You cover the second half number. Uh, been a march to the free throw line here in the first half. A combined twenty one fouls called. Trace Jackson Davis with a couple of fouls critical for IU. He's got to stay out of foul trouble. That's one thing that's going to be crucial down down the stretch for this team. Kofi Coburn with no foul calls, so that's big for Illinois. But uh, both teams playing well offensively. Uh, Indiana has not shot the ball well from the perimeter, just two for seven, which I think bodes well for them. They can they can knock down some shots when they get some opportunities. Uh, this should be a good game. I, I think the Hoosiers close this one out today. I like them at home at Assembly Hall. We got a big game. The number one team in the country tipping off here in a matter of moments at Georgia over there in Athens. Auburn's 16.5 point favorites, total 152.5 a mall. Anything for you in this game before folks go ahead and fire those bets in right before tip-off? Yeah, I would have gone with the over in this game. I think the pace at which Auburn will play, these two teams met earlier this year, ended up in the 140s only, but I think Georgia will score a few more points at home, and if this game turns into a blow, the second half can be open gym, so you could see a potentially very high-scoring game. Interesting to see how Georgia does, because they don't have much of a post game, and you're going inside against some serious Serious NBA size with Smith and Kessler uh, for Auburn. So we'll see if the Georgia perimeter can keep pace here. All right. We'll keep our tabs on college basketball, including one of the premier games of the day. Duke taking on North Carolina in Chapel Hill. We have the Duke and North Carolina beat writer for the Athletic. Brendan Marks joining us in less than 15 minutes to get his thoughts on the battle for Tobacco Road. But first of all, we turn our attention back to the gridiron. The Super Bowl 56 with stop, drop, shut them down, open up props. Let's talk props here, Amal. Props are an evolving market here right. for NFL betting. And the question I wanted to ask you is how do you have sports books kind of adjusted their numbers and adjusted to the betting appetite for props as we continue to see more and more offerings year in, year out? Yeah, Femi, good question. And partially you answered part of your own question there is that the number of props available have increased dramatically. But I think the biggest thing you've seen is the adjustment in the odds. You know, when you had the opening uh, score of the Super Bowl to be a safety, at one point it was about 50 to 1. You go back to that uh, Broncos-Seahawks game. Remember it opened with a safety uh, so that they all of a sudden adjusted to eight to one, nine to one. I think those are plays that now you could bet against almost to be probably to your advantage because I think there were two Super Bowls where it happened, or it might just be the one with yeah, the I think Denver. It was the one, yeah. Okay, it was the one with Denver, um, but there was a drastic overreaction. And so I think now you can bet the no. It's a huge price, but I actually think it's the risk is worth the reward because what is the likelihood of a safety happening? Remember, it wasn't even really a play; it was a bad snap mm-hmm. that which led to that. And one other factor to keep in mind is this. Most of these games have kickoffs that are touchbacks. 
So, you know, remember that was inclement weather in a giant stadium. They were playing up there. And so that factored in terms of where, you know, Denver brought the ball out. I think they got a penalty. So all those things kind of a factor in determining where you're going to have an opening drive start off. And the way these kickers are now, especially with a guy like Evan McPherson, you know, you get 40 yards, you're in field goal range, you get a score there. <laughs> you, you got the win right there. Yeah. No, that's it's a market that it's it's likely, like you said, you're going to have to lay a lot of juice on that for the no. And I want to ask about that to you for a lot of these things. Like, no overtime. That's a popular bet amongst respected yeah. bettors. It's a bet, I'm going to bet minus 1,000 that the game does not go to overtime. Do you – clearly there's value there. But do, would you even ever recommend those types of bets for a novice better who's looking to get into props for the first time here at the Super Bowl? No, and the reason why I say that is because then people get into this habit, and I see this all the time in college basketball, right? You'll see people just take a number of teams at home that are favorite minus 800 to 1,000. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's two to three teams you're going to sit there and sweat up. Perfect example earlier this week, LSU is a $9 favorite at home against Ole Miss. They they got it close. They never could get over the hump. But let me tell you, they were it just never felt like they were going to win that basketball game. Mm-hmm. And so you, you want to stay away from those – a lot of those guys that are making these bets are making big bets on them, but they've kind of like poured over the data and said, hey, this is a good play. I'm going to go bet 10K on this one to win 1,000. Now, it may sound absurd to some people, but when you're doing it in a volume the way some of these guys are doing it, it's advantageous. So for me, it just depends on the situation. But I would say for the average person, I would say to stay away from it. Let's get into the individual props here. Now, we're going to have all week to go over these things here. I mean, we're odds on. So you can see them all weekdays at VEASAN here from 11 to noon. But I'm sure we're going to be talking about props, 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 and more props. But starting with the passing yards, Matthew Stafford, I want to get your early thoughts on these because I know you haven't dove in too much into these with college basketball going on. But Matthew Stafford's passing yards prop 279.5. Joe Burrow's passing yards prop 276.5. With what you think this game ends up playing out in the game state that we see, what do you think of these props, whether you like the over or the under? So, you know, it depends on how you view it. I, I think Stafford's got a chance to go over, which I generally consider rare for a team that I believe is going to win. Mm-hmm. Whereas with uh, Joe Burrow, I would take the over because I feel like they're going to be trailing. And think about the Spemi. What was his number exactly? 271? 276.5 for yeah. Burrow. So think about this. Let's say the Rams are up 10 and the Bengals have the ball and they move it right down the field and they score a touchdown in the final minute or so, what have you. He could pick up 75 yards passing on that drive alone. You know, you know, so so many times that's a factor. I don't generally get into some of these statistical props unless I think there's a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking for a plus press. I'll give you an example of a loss I had when the um, Patriots played the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Yep. I had uh, the only bet I had in that game was Russell Wilson, no picks, plus 135. Right, because well, no, but the point is, Russell doesn't throw interceptions. That's why I was shocked that he was a plus price. And you know, people are like, well, they should have run the ball. Fine, you can argue that. I I thought it wasn't a bad play to throw. It just I didn't like the play call. I thought you should have gone on the outside. All I'm saying is that if you find something that you think is advantageous, take a shot with it. That that's to me where you try to go through this. There is, I mean, I know here at the South Point, the number of plays that they put out is insane. But if you comb over it. You can definitely find some things that you seem 
or see to your advantage? Yeah, it's the softest of the markets just because of the volume of yeah. how much there are. I mean, and the, the side and the total, those are pretty much, we all know what the difference is between these two teams. We've seen them play for 19 games. But this is where you can kind of make some of that money is on some of these props here. want to throw out some receiving props to you. Cooper Cup, 102.5 receiving yards. Jamar Chase, 80.5 at receiving yards. Anything for the two number one receivers in these games? I like Cooper Cup over for a couple of reasons. Yeah. Number one, he's Matthew Stafford's number one guy. Number two, then this stadium on this fast field turf he is very good in terms of route running and I think his cuts are very precise it's a little bit easier on a field turf than it is on a grass less likely to slip on other things they're so good we saw him again third straight game against the 49ers have a tremendous outing offensively I think he gets over this number this is a guy where Matthew Stafford looks up he knows always where he's going to be do you think it's easy almost to overthink it? Because initially you're going to be like, wow, that's such a big number. Let me, right. let me go under. It feels like you can kind of, with how much time there is between the championship games and the Super Bowl, those two weeks, you can spend a lot of times almost paralysis by analysis overthinking these props. What would you advise betters in terms of when they attack these things and how they should go about betting these props? You look at some stats, you look at some data, and you find like it's a good match for you, take it. But I, you you brought up what I always use, like to use the same term, which is paralysis by overanalysis. And, you know, sometimes the best play is when you're confident and just make the play instead of second-guessing yourself. And we generally know that your first in inkling is probably the best one. Yeah, first instincts are the correct ones, typically, in betting and in life, for that matter. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, Brendan Marks, Duke and North Carolina beat writer for The Athletic, joins us to talk about the battle for Tobacco Road. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one -on -one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one -on -one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the Olympics. Exactly. He's gonna guard, and then on I'm top of that, like that, see that, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears, <laughs> crying. Tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. 
Join our own Stormy Bonatoni on Friday at 6 p.m. for the big game betting and beers event here at the South Point Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. Stormy will be joined by our guys in the desert, Chris Andrews, Jimmy Vaccaro, and Vinny Maiulo for a fun and informative look at betting this year's big game and stories from behind the book about all the action these legends have seen over the years. The event is free for everyone over 21, so stop by the South Point on Friday, 6 p.m. to get free samples of bookmaker Blonde Ale, specials on Budweiser, and purchase copies of Chris Andrews' book and learn from these bookmaking experts. Sounds like a very fun time next Friday, February 11th, 6 p.m. here at the South Point Casino where our VEASAN studios are, and that is where we are. Welcome back. It is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Amal Shah talking all things college basketball. 150 games on the slate, but one of the biggest ones will be going down on Tobacco Road over at Chapel Hill, Duke, North Carolina. And we bring in Brendan Marks, beat writer for The Athletic, covering both teams. He sees both aisles of this rivalry. Brendan, got to start. There's a lot of storylines, but I just want to ask you to start off here. What are you most looking forward to seeing on the court tonight? Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm I'm just most looking forward to finally having a Duke Carolina game again with with full fans in the stands and having the you know environment that surrounds the best rivalry in college sports and and I believe that it is the best rivalry in college sports. Um, you know, Coach K's last game in Chapel Hill, Hubert Davis's first game against Duke as head coach. Like, there's storylines everywhere. In terms of a basketball perspective, I really want to see if North Carolina can compete with one of the best teams in the country. It has not been consistent in doing so this year. Um, but Caleb Love had two of his best games ever against Duke last season. So um, let's see if he can do it again. Brendan, you mentioned uh, Hubert Davis. Uh, in my opinion, kind of off to a bit of a un- uneven start there. You know, you referenced they've played well against weaker opponents, but against tougher competition, they've really struggled. How do you see him as a fit for Carolina long term, and where do you see this team going the rest of the way during this year? Yeah, I think the point you make is is a good one. Um, you know, UNC sixteen and six, and all six of those losses have come in their six quad one game. Uh, so UNC has yet to really beat a team so far this season that's going to be in the NCAA field, or at least is projected to be. And and the fact is that they haven't just lost those games; they've lost them in pretty dominant fashion. Um, you know, back to back twenty point losses to Miami and Wake Forest got blown out by Kentucky, blown out by Tennessee. Um, so so not great. Um, in terms of Hubert Davis and how he fits into that picture, though, I think a lot of folks forget that this is largely the same roster from last season. And, and that team was not just the first team in Roy Williams' career not to win a single NCAA tournament game, but it was, it's, this is largely the same core that, that led him into retirement. So um, Hubert Davis could only do so much work with the personnel he had on the fly. He's able to go into the transfer portal, bring in Brady Manick, who's been a huge help for UNC's three-point shooting. Um, but, but this is mostly the same roster from last year. So I, I don't know. He has received a lot of criticism. I think some of it is fair in terms of uh, maybe not doing enough in terms of in-game adjustments, and um, you know, especially when they've been on the back end of some of these bad losses, not trying to do anything to, to quell the tide. Um, but at the same point, I think it's going to take a few years before we can fairly judge what sort of team he wants to run and what sort of kids he wants to recruit to Carolina. We're speaking with Brendan Marks, Duke and UNC beat writer for The Athletic, talking all things Duke, North Carolina, tipping off 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern over in Chapel Hill. Brendan, how much of a home court advantage do you think UNC will have tonight? I mean, the spectacle of this event being Coach K's final game at Chapel Hill. What do you think this environment will be like later on this evening? If college game day this morning was any indication, it's going to be loud. Uh, it's going to be rough, and and it should be. You know, I think that fans 
especially after last year and not getting to fully appreciate the event, having it be Coach K's last year. I mean, the, the Smith Center has been great for UNC in terms of an advantage this season. The Tar Heels are undefeated at home, and, and for good reason. So I, I think it's going to be rocking. I think it's going to be very loud. I think it's probably going to be the fullest the Smith Center has been all season. Um, and, and like I said, at game day, there were signs everywhere. There were folks showing up, you know, waiting in line just to get in. So um, there is a lot of anticipation locally around this game, and as many eyes are going to be on it from afar. Uh, inside the building, it's going to be a whole nother level. Brendan, I want to go big picture ACC. How many teams do you see getting in? And outside of Duke, is there a team in this league that is actually going to have even a shot to get past the first weekend? Yeah, so, you know, I, obviously Duke is the best team in the conference. I'm not breaking any news there. Um, I, I do think that you're probably going to see five ACC teams get into the tournament, though. Um, you know, I think Miami and Wake Forest have both made very convincing arguments. You know, North Carolina needs to beat a good team at some point here, but um, you can't ignore the fact that the Tar Heels are 8-3, and three, and if they win today, they will have that marquee win, uh, and they'll be in first place in the ACC. So, you know, I, I tend to think that North Carolina, especially with the benefit of its brand, will get in. Um, and then I don't hate the odds that, that a team like Notre Dame gets in. Has a good win against Kentucky that keeps looking better and better, um, you know, as the, as the Wildcats have gotten better. So I'm going to go with five teams, but in terms of making an actual run, it's hard to argue that anybody is going to do that outside of Duke. I mean, I think that Miami, depending on its matchups, they've got three really, really good, crafty, quick guards, um, and Charlie Moore and Cam Augusti and Isaiah Wong. That's that's a great backcourt, but they definitely don't have the same depth that other teams do. So I think Miami could, depending on its matchups, make life you know miserable for a lot of folks. Um, but at the same point, you know, there's a reason that all of the projected first-round picks that come out of the ACC are playing for the Blue Devils. Well, let's talk about the Blue Devils here, Brendan. I'm looking at the odds over at BetMGM. They're 10-1 to 1 to win the national title. That's just behind Gonzaga and Auburn, two of the top two teams in the country. Can this Blue Devils team overcome their youth and make a run next month in the tournament? I think it can, but it's going to take Duke getting back to the version of this team that we saw in December when it was beating Kentucky, when it was beating Gonzaga, because since then, uh, it's really been a series of sort of hiccups and, and constantly changing events. So, you know, they had a COVID pause, couldn't practice for 10 days. Guys not only got out of shape, but they get out of rhythm with each other. And, and it took a while for the Duke to sort of get back in that flow and, and develop that cohesion again. That's why you saw the Miami loss at home. And, you know, they basically had one day of practice before that. So uh, I think that was a huge element. Trevor Keels got injured, is now finally back. A.J. Griffin comes into the starting lineup. How does he fit? They've got all these different moving pieces. And over the next month, it's really, to me, about getting all of those pieces into clearly defined roles, getting guys to be at their best of the best. Coach K has a knack for doing that, but if he can do that, I mean, this team absolutely has the talent to win the national title. It might, this might be the best starting five in the country, and, and I'm not joking when I say I think they potentially have five first-round picks. Oh, yeah, no, there's no question about it. I mean, Dukes, you're, you're absolutely right. There could be five guys go in the first round. But if this team doesn't make a deep run, then what does it say about the fact that you've got potentially four to five guys going in the first round and they can't get it done? Because, you know, as much as credit as Coach K has gotten, let's be real here for a minute. Outside of the fact that they got every second-half call against Wisconsin, (laughs) this program has been dormant for about a decade and a half. People forget Roy won three national titles while Coach K won two during the same time uh, period there. I mean, it feels like Duke's had some talented teams that didn't deliver. We go back to the Zion, R.J. Barrett, uh, Cam Reddish team. You know, you go back even further than that, there have been more talented teams. They just haven't seemed to have been able to get over the top in the tournament the last uh, decade or so. 
Yeah, you know, I think I think that Zion team is a, the one that especially is is a point of frustration for fans because especially knowing what he was doing that season, knowing what what all three of those guys are going on to do, um, it's kind of crazy to think that they they wouldn't have put it all together. But again, that was a situation sort of like what I'm talking about now. You know, after Zion came back, you knew he was dominant, but um, when he came back from the injury after after busting the sneaker. They didn't have, you know, a whole lot of time for him to get fully ramped up. I mean, he sort of remade his appearances again during the ACC tournament. I mean, uh, didn't play for, you know, a number of games. So I think that this is a situation that Duke is now trying to avoid with Trevor Keels, with A.J. Griffin, with Um They've still got a month left to sort of iron out some of those kinks. And this team, I don't know if it's as talented, more talented, whatever, than the Zion team, but it has a similar potential to win a title. Um, you have to avoid some of those timing pitfalls that, that really got the better of the Zion team. But no, you know, I, I think certainly there have been a lot of Duke teams that haven't done what folks expect them to in the tournament. And, uh, you know, if this one ends up... Oh. I think we, I think we might have lost, yeah, yeah. lost Brendan there, who's talking about those Zion teams, almost comparing them. That team was very young with Zion, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett. This team very young. Paulo Bancaro, Trevor Keels, all those guys. It's it's the fascinating thing about how this gels together against some of these older veteran teams in March. Yeah, but you know that going in if you're going to go recruit five stars who are going to be one and done. Yeah. I mean, that's not that's not a valid Comes argument. With the dinner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. You know what I mean? So you already know that going in. But to me, when you look at, you know, I know Kyrie only played 10 games. They've had some teams that I thought could have done far better than they have last several years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, we want to thank Brendan Marks there. We got cut off there, uh, but want to thank him. He's a Duke and UNC beat writer for The Athletic. Real quick here, I wanted to ask this question to him before we got hung up there with the snafu, but does North Carolina, have, do they have any advantage on the court in this matchup here, Amal? Uh, Three-point shooting. They're, they're a far better three-point shooting team than Duke. Caleb Love's been outstanding. Brady Maddock, R.J. Davis, they can all shoot the three-point shot. That's a big difference for this team, and they're going to have to live on that three-point shot. And then Amando Baycott's got to stay out of foul trouble. If he can do that, they've got a great chance here tonight. Baycott against Williams is going to be very, very fun. Those two big guys on the interior, we'll see how that one plays out. Also, what is North Carolina going to do with Paulo Bancaro? We'll find out. Tip off 3 o'clock Pacific time. North Carolina, three-and-a-half point underdogs. Total 151-and-a-half. If you like the Tar Heels on the money line, plus 130. Duke, minus 155. On the other side, we're going to check in with the association. While we've been away, what's been going on in the NBA? We'll discuss it here. It's Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the sports betting network. Getting ready to watch the big game? We want to make sure VSIN is a part of your plans. On Championship Weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VSIN.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the VSIN betting experts before, during, and after the action on VSIN.com. It is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Amal Shah here, coming to you from the VEASAN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. We're at the halfway point of the show here, three hours. We're, of course, going to toss three hours 
for betting across America to our guys over at Circa and Mandalay Bay, Dave Ross, Wes Reynolds. Dave Ross will be joining us at 1145 to discuss all things UFC 271. Amal, I know you're excited for that main event, Adesanya Whitaker. Um, but before we get into all of that discussion here, I, let's... <laughs> I was going to say I prefer Whitaker and Trammell up the middle. I thought they were just much better defensively. <laughs> see, you see Amal has done his prep and homework on that fight. <laughs> If we, you got another week. It's not today. It's, it's next Saturday. Oh, thank so, God. So we're, we're giving you another week Great. to prepare for Get that. Got another eight days to hear about it. <laughs> we're off to a good start here for the second half of the show. Uh, college hoops, though, Amal. We've seen a fascinating game out there. Butler taking on St. John's right now. The Bulldogs, 62. St. John's has 58, I believe it was. They're about to go to timeout here at one of the media timeouts. But it's kind of been a back-and-forth battle here, something kind of uh, – Bringing a smile to you there. Well, I was just laughing because I'm looking at the floor. When Butler plays these games, sometimes it feels like on some other sports channel besides FS1 or Fox, uh, it seems like the arena is just so dark. It's like, oh, it's on Fox. We're going to turn up the lights in the arena. You can actually see the entire floor. But you're right. It's been a competitive game so far. Been a good one to watch and uh, probably go down to the wire at the end. I'm worried about my Indiana Hoosiers here at Mall. They lead Illinois 50, 46 to 50, or 45, I should say. Sorry, I can't say numbers right now, but four, or rather, Illinois leads at 48, 46. Um, three and a half are the Illini on the on the live line. Total 137 and a half. This thing is starting to be dominated by Kofi Coburn and the fighting Illini. Yeah, you know, him playing without any fouls in the first half was huge. I thought it gave him a lot of freedom towards the second half, and so far they come out. But look, Two-point game. This is a one-possession game. IU comes yeah. down, hits a three-pointer. You know, it doesn't matter. So uh, this is going to be a back-and-forth game. I think the one thing that you're seeing is you look at some of these matchups, um, and that that's a game that's going to be competitive. But your Connecticut-Villanova game looks like it's going to fly over the total. Already in the second half, these guys have put up 28 points, and they're not even seven minutes in. So on we pace for 80-plus 80, 80 points in the second half. We absolutely love to see it. Villanova leads at 57-40. to 40. Live total, 143.5. Villanova, 14.5-point favorites on that live market. I took over 129.5. So like Amal said, we're looking good, but a lot of basketball left to be played. And I've seen some crazy things in college basketball, so not going to count the chickens before they hatch. Bedlam is a competitive game. 8.30 to go in the second half. Oklahoma State leads Oklahoma 42-36. Cowboys 6.5 on the live number. Total 108.5 of all. Yeah, and... Uh, it's the yeah. one that got away, huh? Well, no, I took a smaller play in the second half under, but the 134 and a half when it was there, I didn't get a chance to get it in. I was mad because it just both of these teams defend extremely well. Porter Moser, that was his kind of staple when he was at Loyola. And you look at what uh, this team has been able to do under Mike Boynton at uh, Oklahoma State. They've done a tremendous job defensively. Uh, I think this Oklahoma State team, it's unfortunately not going to go to the tournament, but I like them. They compete. They're just, you know, uh, just kind of one player away from being a really a really good team in this league. So that's college basketball. We're keeping our eyes on that. We got another slate of games tipping off here at the top of the hour. We'll get our thoughts on those as well at 11 o'clock. But want to turn our attention to professional basketball, the NBA. Let's go to the association here, Amal, and let's take a big picture look here because football season is winding down. Super Bowl's coming up here in eight days. A lot of folks have been paying attention to football all fall and winter. Now NBA college basketball takes, takes center stage here. And looking at the NBA, the Western Conference is where we'll start this thing. The Phoenix Suns have the best record in the association. They went to the Western Conference, or rather the NBA Finals last year, losing to the Milwaukee Bucks. They're 41-10 and 10 straight up. Up this year they have a two-game lead on the Golden State Warriors but when you look at the conference odds I'm all look at that the Warriors are the favorite to win the West over at BetMGM plus 200 Phoenix plus 260 
is this just a I would rather have Steph Curry in the playoffs over Chris Paul? Or what do you make of that odds market right there with Phoenix not being seen as a juggernaut that they've been so far 50 games into the pre or rather into the regular season? I think there's a few factors. First of all, Clay Thompson's been out for the majority of the year now coming back. So I think people say, hey, you know, get Clay in that lineup. They're going to be even more dangerous. You mentioned it. Warriors have been there, done that. Uh, uh, people looked at Phoenix last year, at least I did from the standpoint, well, you know, you had injuries around the rest of the conference. Maybe that's why they were able to get there. So, and then Golden State's a far more public team than the Phoenix Suns. Uh, you know, you mentioned it earlier yourself. You're not a complete buyer in the Phoenix Suns, and I think that's yeah. where a lot of people stand with them. Yeah, and it's the the point that you made right there with all the injuries that we saw last year. Now, this year, they've been terrific in the regular season, and but I think I said it. I forgot who I said it to. I think it might have been Christmas. might have been Matt Humans when he was filling in for you on Christmas Day, and I said, I think the Phoenix Suns are more of a regular season team than they are a playoff team. Just because I just think that this team, when it comes down to it, Devin Booker being your best player or Chris Paul being your best player in a seven-game series, it's hard to win the NBA championship when that's the case. I think that's an excellent point. There's two other factors to that as well for me. One, in the postseason, you don't have back-to-backs. You don't have situations where uh, – you know, the game's as big of a deal. You got that two to three days in between games, right? You might play on a Wednesday, you play on a Friday, you might play on a Monday. And then remember one thing, when you're the Warriors, you're the Lakers, maybe Milwaukee at this point in time, I still don't necessarily feel that way about the Bucks. But every night when you play on the road, you get everybody's best shot. Don't get me wrong, people compete for Phoenix, but it's not the same. There's a different atmosphere when the Warriors come into town in the crowd, in the arena, in terms of how people perceive it. And I think that's why Golden State is still the odds-on favorite at this point in time. Yeah, the seven-game series. I always ask myself when I'm looking at the NBA futures markets, like, can I see this team winning in a seven-game series? Can they win four out of seven against this other team that might have a generational player? And if I hesitate or my answer is no, then I'm like, I'm not betting that team. I'm not going to. And I still have a little bit of hesitation about Phoenix. I know what they did last year, but they didn't have to face these teams at full strength. Can a Chris Paul, Devin Booker duo beat a Steph Curry led team when it comes down to a seven game series in the playoffs? I'm not so sure. I believe that's the case. Well, I think you make an excellent point about Booker and Paul. Very good players. I think Booker's on that superstar level, but as a scorer. And I think in the postseason, because the defense is so tenacious, it becomes a lot more difficult for a player like him to get his points. Not saying he's not capable or he can't do it, but it just feels like a different element. And, you know, you look at most of these teams, and I know nobody's going to necessarily point to Steph Curry defensively, but he's such an elite shooter. And then you factor in Draymond Green and some of the other guys in the Warriors that understand their role. It makes a difference in terms of how this team approaches. And I think a guy like Steve Kerr, having that championship pedigree as a player and as a coach, you know, five titles as a player, uh, more obviously as a coach he understands and this comes from Greg Popovich because I remember when I covered Pop tell you one thing he never worried about the regular season it's just like getting the playoffs his whole goal was just be healthy into the playoffs and I love what he said he he goes we're not winning 16 at home and losing 12 on the road (laughs) right it's just not going to go that way and so you got to be able to win a game or two on the road obviously in a series and I think it's the same thing with Golden State yes you want to have home court advantage it's definitely an advantage in the postseason wherever you are whichever team has the home floor but Golden State is good enough to go into any arena in the association and win a game six or a game seven on the road if necessary. Without question. I think also another important note for postseason play, just in my opinion, uh, others might differ here, but I think depth matters less in the playoffs. The benches shorten up. Coaches don't rely on as many guys because there's not as many guys as you can trust. You yeah. can see rotations go to seven, eight guys versus in the 
regular season, you're talking about 10-guy rotations there. So I think that depth, which is Phoenix is elite at, they have a lot of players who are capable. It doesn't matter as much because Steph Curry is not going to be playing 37 minutes. He's going to be playing 40 minutes or so in the playoffs. And those three minutes are a big difference when you talk about playoff basketball. I want to ask you about a team in the Western Conference here in Mall. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. They are fourth on the odds board to win the Western Conference plus 750 over at BetMGM right now. But when you look at the standings, Amal, they're three games under 500. They are currently ninth in the West, Amal. Do you think that this Lakers team can – and we're going to ask our Lakers guy, Trevor Lane. He's the senior writer ever at Lakers Nation. We're going to ask him about this. But do you think this Lakers team can come from the ashes and make something of what has been a lackluster season? Uh I don't think so. You know, this reminds me of that Lakers team. Was it 04 where they had Gary Payton, Carl Malone, along with Kobe and Shaq? But they were actually good, at least. They were good, right. But but what I'm saying is this team is, in that sense, your best player is even older right? in LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the other problem is Russell Westbrook's a great town who plays. I, I, I respect the, Russell Westbrook's the one guy I'd pay to see in the NBA because he plays so hard. Yeah. Uh, but he is not what I would call a smart player. It takes a lot of shots, makes a lot of decisions that are bad, and I think that kills the team. And I think Anthony Davis, I don't know what holds him back, but to me he should be the best player in the world and not even close. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen him in person. That dude is like the – that guy's like the Empire State Building. He is huge, and he can shoot the ball. He can do it all. But for some reason, he just hasn't taken that next step here with this team. Yeah, no, it's that, that's the question for Anthony Davis there. It's it, – it's, all the talent in the world, but does he have the mentality to be the best player in the world? And that's kind of the difference between him and maybe a Giannis Antetokounmpo, who has led the Milwaukee Bucks to an NBA title. Trevor Lane, like I mentioned, the senior writer for Lakers, or SB Nation over at Lakers Nation, he will join us to talk all things LA. On the other side, though, we're going to get our guy, JVT, VEASAN host and host of the Hardwood Handicapper, sure to discuss all things association. It is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. All the action you need is at BetMGM. Sign up now using bonus code VSIN1000, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. When you register with BetMGM, you'll also get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code VSIN1000 to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager new customer offer all promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit free bets expire seven days from issuance please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in Nevada it is betting across America presented by bet MGM Femi Abebefe alongside Amal Shah here coming to you from the VEASAN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino Amal night last segment we're just talking a little NBA so we wanted to call our guy here at VEASAN he hosts Hardwood Handicappers. He's our NBA betting analyst. Also, you see him on the edge weekdays here at the network. He is Jonathan Von Tobel, a.k.a. JVT. How we doing, buddy? It's uh, me and Amal here. We're talking NBA. And I wanted to ask you, with the trade deadline coming up here, what advice would you have for betters in terms of the futures market? Because we're all going to be inundated with Woj and Shams notific- notifications about reports and all sorts of things. How would you advise betters in terms of how they can attack these markets with a lot of changes on the horizon here over the next four to five days. Yeah. You know, and I'm not telling you guys anything new, but you want to get proactive, right? You want to jump on a number before it moves and uh, see if you can get in on some information that's out there and you're always taking a risk, right? You, you want to make a bet and assume that the move that you're assuming is going to be made is made. And then you could be sitting on a number that ultimately doesn't move. But I'll say this Femi, I think with this trade deadline, like there, there seems to be a lot of noise But outside of a Ben Simmons getting moved to another team, or if this James Harden deal happens, I don't think there's a lot of deals out there that would change numbers, right? So for example, like Jeremy Grant is a name that is out there that could go to a different team. Jeremy Grant's not going to improve uh, a team from a future standpoint. You're not going to bump a uh, Memphis Grizzlies from where they're at at 25 to one to like 20 to one. If he gets added there, at least I wouldn't. Uh, And you can go further down the list, right? So unless these Bradley Beals, these Ben Simmons and James Harden's are going to start moving to different names and to different teams, I find it hard to find a deal like last year with Aaron Gordon that made the Nuggets look like a, a top tier. NBA finals candidate. I find it hard to make uh, to find a move that would make me want to jump on a number in the uh, in the in the future uh, before the do the deal is actually made. If I could actually get through that sentence. <laughs> JVT, I like the point you just made about Jeremy Grant or anybody else outside of James Harden. I don't think you're going to see an impact on the line at all. Uh, in terms of James Harden potentially going to Philadelphia, if you're the 76ers and you're Daryl Morey, do you make this move? Do you believe bringing in Harden with sometimes his traffic cone-like defense could help <laughs> this team get to where they want to go, obviously, which is to the NBA Finals and win it all? So here's the thing, Amal, like Harden has his strengths on defense. He's actually like a low-key, pretty good low-post defender if, if other teams want to post him up because, you know, he's a little stronger in stature. He can handle those situations. But when he's at his best is a strong term. But where you want Harden is in a defense where you can switch everything, right? Like the Rockets did it with him. The Nets have been doing it with him. Right? It just leaves you in a situation where he doesn't have to do a lot of on-ball stuff. And, you know, if, if the screen comes, it's just, hey, switch and let's get it out of here. So the thing that I think doesn't really work with Philly, you're not going to be able to do that 
that with Joel Embiid, right? Like if you're gonna if you're gonna have James Harden out there and you're running like a one five pick and roll or two five pick and roll, like Embiid, you don't want him switched onto a guard. Embiid's great, but it's not a situation in which he is comfortable. You want him dropping on that coverage, and that puts James Harden in a precarious situation as a defender. So I'm really curious from that fit, like how that really works out. If you want Harden out there from just if we're just talking purely defense, like you brought up, it's in a switch them all scheme that I think in which he is much more comfortable than we've seen over the last few years. So if that deal is made, I'm really curious to see what that team looks like defensively because they're not going to switch everything. And I think that really exposes Harden in a really big way. We're speaking with Jonathan Von Tobel, VEASAN host and NBA betting analyst here for the network. JVT, the Lakers are plus 850 to win the West at BetMGM, 18 to 1 to win the West. Can the Lakers be fixed? Uh, I mean, I'll tell you this, you're not getting a, You shouldn't be betting them at that price. Like that's all liability induced and a, a ridiculous number out there for you. If you're wagering at that, I've, you know, as Amal says, you know, you could use that uh, at the food bank. You could donate that. They'll use it. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the Lakers can be fixed to be completely fair. Femi, right. They, they haven't really been whole LeBron James gets this knee issue with Anthony Davis comes back. So he gets shelved. Uh, and then of course, Anthony Davis is now solo with Russell Westbrook. Like we haven't even seen Kendrick Nunn yet. Uh, on this team. So it, to be completely fair, the, the entire unit hasn't really been together, but even when we see them together, it hasn't really been great. Uh, an Eric Gordon type would be a really good fit for them. If they can go and get him uh, the, the, the John wall swap for Russell Westbrook that has been thrown out there, I think would be a better schematic fit. If they wanted to pull that off and trade Westbrook with a couple of second round picks to Houston, uh, imagine that them getting traded for one another yet again. Um, but, but like they could be fixed, but still like, I'll put it to you this way. The Los Angeles Clippers just got moved to 100 to 1 to win the NBA Finals over at the Westgate Superbook on the news that Kawhi Leonard's probably not going to come back. They are a similarly power rated team as the Los Angeles Lakers, and yet you're talking about the Lakers at plus 850 to win the Western Conference. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't really <laughs> compute. So if you're talking about from an odds perspective, they can get fixed, but I just don't buy that they're actual Western Conference contenders. Love the analogy you just gave the Lakers and Clippers, really puts it in perspective. JVT, uh, Femi and I were talking about the Phoenix Suns. Very good basketball team, particularly in the regular season. But I have a slight hiccup on buying into this team to necessarily come out of the West. Not saying they're not capable, but it's just I, I can't put my finger on it. I'm not a complete believer in them. How do you see Phoenix? I like their pieces, but it, it just for me, there's something there. What is it? Uh, how do you see them? So, Maul, I would be with you like last year, right? I was with you. It, when, when the Clippers were fully healthy, I wrote a big piece on the website. The Clippers are the best team in the Western Conference. You couldn't talk me out of it. When they were down 0-2 to the Mavericks, I would have people messaging me or talking to me on these shows and being like, <laughs> oh, how are you feeling? And I'm like, they're still the best team. Like, it's the best of seven for a reason, right? When they, went, they, when they, were, down, um, uh, when they were down in that series to the Mavericks, bet on them there because I thought the Clippers were the best team and they matched up really well with Phoenix. But that's not the case this year, right? I'm all like, look around the Western Conference. It, like, who is the team that you would feel more confident in is it the Utah jazz who are falling apart and still haven't been good defensively, even with Rudy Gobert out there. Is it the warriors who are actually one of the worst offensive teams in the NBA since their first meeting with the Phoenix suns. Right. Right. And then you go further and further down. And like, I guess you're hoping that the the uh, nuggets get Jamal Murray back. And then of course, Nikola Jokic is uh, otherworldly. But I just think at the end of the day, mixed with the, the makeup of the Western conference and the way that they improved their center position this year, I bet them the other day at seven to one to win the NBA finals that they're down to like five to one or even short 
shorter at this point. They're my highest power rated team in the West. They are the best team in the Western Conference. And this year, I think it's a little different given the makeup of the conference and the fact that they improved one of their biggest weaknesses, which was depth at center. JVT, we've been talking a lot of Western Conference. Want to be balanced here? So let's look at the East. Top of the East from the number one seeds and the number five seeds, separated by just one and a half games. What do you make of what we're seeing out East? And who do you think has the inside track on the number one seed? So I refuse to kind of give up on Milwaukee. Like the, the results have kind of been up and down. They get blown out the, uh, the other night, right? Or I guess it was like last weekend now, uh, but by the Denver Nuggets by 36 points on their home court. And the, the results have been consistent, but I think they've kind of been bitten by that bug of been there, done that, right? Like this was the try hard team. This was win 60 plus games every year possible. Let's get to the promised land. They get there, they win the trophy. Now it's like, ah, oh, wait, we got to play 82 of these things. So I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm banking on the fact that the Bucks will, for lack of a better term, turn it on by the time we get to the postseason. They're my highest rated team in the Eastern Conference. But if you're looking anywhere else, I would say this, Femi, like the fact that you could still get double digits on the Miami Heat is pretty surprising. The Heat are insanely well coached. Uh, they have a very, very formidable defensive the top five, right? When we're talking about P.J. Tucker, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. Uh, this is, I think, the second best team in the Eastern Conference at this point right now. They should be up there in terms of the East and the power ratings and the numbers. And the fact you can get them at that 14-1 to range to win the NBA Finals as a team who could win the top seed in their conference, if you're looking anywhere else, to me, it would be Miami. You know, I love the point you made on Spolstra in Miami. I think he's a guy that just doesn't get enough credit for what happened down in South Florida because of Wade and because of LeBron. But he is a difference maker for this team. We saw them get to the finals, and I love Jimmy Butler in terms of his attitude. He is that, like, Jordan will to win. And this team's been decimated by injuries. In your opinion, what, what's kind of a good path for this team? Is there a particular matchup that favors them and they get in the playoffs? Or is this just a team that because the Bam out of bio, they'll defend, they'll do different things, it doesn't matter, they'll figure it out? Yeah, I don't. I would say it largely doesn't matter for the most part of all. I think my, Milwaukee still has a pretty good advantage over them. And the thing that worries with Miami is they're they're top heavy, right? Like their top six are great. You go down to Tyler Hero, and after that, you kind of run out of depth. And I think that's the thing that would hold them back ultimately uh, in a series. But I think they'd win. They'd be favored at least by my by, by my numbers uh, in any series against the Eastern Conference opponent outside of a fully like fully healthy and available. We're talking about at home games too. Uh, Brooklyn Nets team if they're going to have all three James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And we know that we're not going to get that. So I think they match up pretty much well with everybody in the Eastern conference outside of the Milwaukee bucks at this point, JVT in about 20 seconds. What's your favorite play on today's card? Uh, you know, they're actually, I, I hated this card for the most part, but I'll say this. I'm surprised that the market has uh, been, look, the Grizzlies won 10 out of 12 games without John Morant, but he's questionable to play. We'll see if they, he's going to be out there today. Uh, but the fact that this hasn't budged with his questionable status, I am uh, somewhat surprised. I get it's the Orlando Magic, but uh, Dylan Brooks won't be out there. And we know that to John Morant is questionable. I would see if that market moves a little bit there on Memphis tonight. He is Jonathan Von Tobel, VEASAN host and NBA betting analyst. JVT, we appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us and best of luck today. Good to talk to you guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. How about that? On the other side of all, we're going to go back to the NFL, but wanted to bounce some NBA stuff that JVT said to you as well. It's betting across America. Our number three on the other side presented by BetMGM. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.